0: Good morning. Our scripture reading today is Luke 19, verses 28 to 40. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, is that right? Oh, okay, Olivet. He sent two of the disciples, saying, And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Um, one of my favorite uh, shows right now is a show called Ted Lasso. And um, it's an interesting show. It's about um, football, Uh, not AFL football and not gridiron football, but real live football Uh, where you actually use your feet a lot more than anything else. And um, in it, there's lots of interesting scenes and great little takeaways. But one of my favorite things is when he first, in the first season, in the first episode, when he's being introduced, he's handed water a couple of times throughout the, the uh, day. And each time he takes a swig of that water, uh, anticipating it to be refreshing as he needs a refreshment, but it hits his palate. And as soon as he does, he spits it out. Because it's sparkling water, and he was imagining it was gonna be flat water. And I just, I love that because I love spit takes, because that's just how mature I am in my comedy. But I think all of us have those places where we have expectations of something and then they don't match up to what that is. I almost gave you one of those this morning as I went to get the grape juice uh, for our communion a little bit later. It wasn't until I got up to the counter that I recognized I did not in fact have grape juice in my hand, but I had prune juice. And that could have caused some other issues later on today. I know it's just a small amount that we drink, but that expectation of what, what is going on? What just happened? Or even when you tasted it, it would have been very strange. What we see happening in this story, this historic event that is taking place, is folks who have some expectations. Expectations. They have an understanding of what they want to see happen. They believe that they know what is taking place. They have been longing for this to take place. And they are beginning to celebrate what they believe is happening. What they see taking place, and many of them would recognize that this is the Messiah coming in on a colt, coming in on a a donkey, this this fulfillment of prophecy, as Alan said earlier, that, that in fact the Romans are about to get kicked out, that the Israelite nation is about to be made whole, and that we are going to rule supreme in the world as God's chosen people. Now, interestingly enough, in Luke, this story is told in all of the Gospels, all those biographies of Jesus. But in Luke, he makes a very specific sort of uh, uh, statement about who is seeing this and who are the ones that are gathered around who are praising He says it's his disciples, a large multitude of his disciples. That means it's folks that have been following along. So we don't have sort of people that are getting caught up in the crowd. We have people who have had life experiences with this Jesus they have been walking with him, listening to him, learning from him. They, they recognize, they're recognized as disciples. Not only does Luke make mention of that, but in fact, just down, the Pharisees look at him and say, Teacher, what? Rebuke your disciples. Now, we could pass over that as just, Oh, yeah, of course, it's people that are following Jesus. But I think when I have always thought of This Palm Sunday, I've thought of it very easily as a group of people getting caught up in the excitement of something that's happening. Have you ever been out and walking through the streets? Uh, This could happen to you next week, by the way, in Frio as the street art festival takes place during the Easter holiday weekend. And all of a sudden you're wrapped up into a crowd of people that are either watching something taking place or or actually all of a sudden you're in the middle of a parade that you didn't know you were in. So I've always imagined that on Palm Sunday... Jesus is coming in, and a few people start going, Oh, Hosanna, Hosanna. And other people are like, What's going on over there? And they rush, and Hosanna, Hosanna. And to that end, then, there's a gathering of people who don't quite really know what's going on, except for the fact that there seems to be a giant party, and I want to be a part of it. But that's not what's happening. What's taking place is people who have been walking with Jesus that have been clearly identified as his disciples, not only by themselves, not only by Luke, who's hearing this from Mark and others, but also the Pharisees themselves are recognizing that this group of people who are proclaiming this, one, recognize Jesus as the Messiah, and two, know who he is well enough to know what he has said before, that he is the Son of God, that he is the one who has come, See, it's a whole lot easier for us to dismiss them because we, if, if they're just members who got caught up, because we know just a short week later, these are folks who are crying out, crucify him. Crucify him. That this Easter that is coming up, this Good Friday that is coming up, takes place on the heels of this event. And so if they're just people that got caught up, Well, guess what? They just get caught up again, right? Like there's another large crowd. They're saying something, chanting something. I go over, oh, we chanted Hosanna last week, and now we're chanting crucify him this week. But what's happening here and what we're going to see throughout Holy Week is these disciples have this understanding, this expectation of what they think is going to happen. And then slowly throughout Holy Week, those expectations are not met. This mighty king, this righteous one who is going to kick out the unrighteous Romans, does not move in that direction. If anything, he begins to point out where they have fallen, where they have missed the mark. And even more so, he begins to act as a servant, preparing himself, he says, for death and destruction. You see, unmet expectations in our life is the road to resentment. And as these folks are having their expectation not met in this king that they believe is going to rule supreme, their resentment begins to build and grow to the point where they want him gone. Because he's just a reminder of how unmet expectations crush us, cause us to move in a place of despair. Some of us have unmet expectations because we never even take the time to verbalize them out loud. We have that place where we're not saying, we expect this to happen. This is what we want to see take place. And so those around us, and and even more than that, the one that we're putting those expectations in might not even know what it is. Some of us have unrealistic expectations. That's what was happening here primarily. These folks who believe this is what it was going to be. This has to be what it is. And when it wasn't, they began to resent this one who had come. We do the same thing. You see, the promise here that they're calling out is what? For peace in the heavenlies and glory here. They say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That if there's peace in heaven, that means there's reconciliation in God and then there's peace on this earth. That we can go back to when Jesus is born and there's this proclamation that peace has come. Their anticipation, their, their expectation is that peace would be present. And that peace for them comes through might. For then they believe that they must have power in order to have peace. See, the Romans promise peace, and they do that through power. And so we too, then, the Israelite nation, believes that if we have the king who is in power, then we will have peace. And in reality, I believe that most of us in our lives, in this chaotic and broken world, Our deepest desire is to have peace. We want the striving to stop. We would like externally relationships to be mended. We would like our hearts not to be anxious about what is happening and taking place. That we desire a place of rest where we are understood, where we are loved and known, but a place ultimately, of peace. And we begin to look for places to match that peace. Where can we get it? Some of us believe that the best way to have peace is to be in control. That if we can just get everything in our lives exactly the way that we want it to go, if we can have every box ticked, every line item Balanced, then our life will be peaceful because I won't have to worry. That's one of the great things that I discovered about Australia when we moved here. When we were coming, we kept hearing this phrase, no worries. Right? No worries. And I got here and I began to deal with the bureaucracy of the government. And it seems like they worry about a lot because of every check mark and every line item and every form in triplicate that has to be done and signed off on a particular person in a particular way. See, they really don't mean no worries. What they mean is if you do it in the proper way, then you shouldn't have reason to worry. We do that in our lives. We think, oh, if I just get it in the proper order, and the proper way. And then we define that. Then we create that system because we are the ones that are going to ultimately have to do that. Some of us desire peace to come from acceptance. That this desire to be known raises itself so high that we think, I know that if people really know who I am, they will either, one, run away from me, so we hide it, or I'm so great that they'll love me. So I need to make sure everybody knows exactly who I am so that I can be accepted by them. And in that pursuit of acceptance, we sometimes begin to change who we are. All for this pursuit of peace. Because when I'm not known, then I feel restless. I'm disconnected. Why? Because we're created for connection. It's absolutely a good thing for us to be liked. But it's not the ultimate thing. And as it becomes the ultimate thing, then we will do things for other people to like us that we might not have ever thought about doing. We will compromise our beliefs. We will compromise our engagements. We will compromise our attitudes so that that one person or two people that we've decided their acceptance is primary for me. Then they will move us in that way. And we go, and we do. And then we're accepted, and we recognize their acceptance isn't just giving us the peace that we need. You see, because ultimately, as we pursue those other things, as we're looking for those places and we're putting our expectations upon them, ultimately, they will fail us. Ultimately, they will move us in a way that we cannot go forward anymore. Ultimately, they put us into bondage. That thing that we've gone after ensnares us and captures us. That's why we can understand what happens to these folks. They're looking for peace. They think they see it coming. They're crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, the king is here. But throughout the week, the expectation that he's going to kick the Romans out becomes obvious to them, glaring to them, that no, in fact, it appears that he is going to die. So let's just help him along. Because all his presence does for us is remind us of what a big failure we are and how we've set our expectations incorrectly again. Are you ready to cheer up? Here's the thing. As we saw in the prophecy of this cult riding king coming in to this great accolades of his disciples. This is not something that was a mistake. This is in fact the plan all along. This prince of peace, this lord of lords, this god of gods, this mighty warrior will come in order to die. So that Peace will enter in. Paul puts it this way, that Christ came and put hostility to death. Causing the enmity, causing the things that are broken between you and I and God and us to be put aside, to be conquered and overcome, so that we can live in peace with one another. The amazing thing is this, the prince of peace, the one who holds it all and is the author and perfecter of that peace, takes on all the rage of the world in order for us to receive the peace from God. And so, while we are his disciples, (laughs) those of us who are striving to follow the life of Christ, and walk in who we are in him, we must be aware that sometimes our expectations are incorrect. But the Prince of Peace has come to correct them. That sometimes we'll say Hosanna for something that we think is going to happen. When in fact, we're able to say Hosanna for the things that have already come. In that Christ has done all the work, laid aside all the brokenness, has made all things new already. So that we now live in them, anticipating for them to be completed when he comes again. And so we rest in that. We work in that. You see, we work with one another in order to live at peace And so when our expectations, whether they have been stated and unmet or whether we've never spoken them but we begin to recognize that somehow I'm not getting what I need, we move towards one another and not apart from one another, saying here's where I'm hurt or here's what I've put on you. I've trusted you for something you can't deliver for me. Or I've looked for you for acceptance that I already have in Jesus. We walk together in life so that we can be peace to each other and the world that we live in, guarded by the everlasting King against our own fickle hearts. Let me pray. God, you are good and you have blessed us and brought us to you. We give you glory and honor today in this as we know and believe that you are the one who has come to be peace to us. Father, if there are things that are not from you today that have been spoken, let them burn up and go away. But if there are words that are from you, let them take root in our hearts and bear good fruit and glory to your name. It's in your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.